0: Good evening, welcome once again to our Lectio Divina. Let's begin with a short prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. O God, who in this wonderful sacrament have left us a memorial of your passion, grant us, we pray, so to revere the sacred mysteries of your body and blood, that we may always experience in ourselves the fruits of your redemption who live and reign with God the Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome once again to our lecture Divina, and this coming Sunday is the Solemnity of the Holy Body and Blood of Christ, or known as the Corpus Christi. And we know very well that the Corpus Christi was started or established in 1264 by Pope Urban IV after the proposal of St. Thomas Aquinas and after also the famous Eucharistic miracle of Bolsena in 1263. It was the time when the priest, when he celebrated the Mass and he elevated the host and miraculously, the host started to bleed, and the blood fell on the corporal. And that is what is exhibited in the Church of Orvieto. That happened in 1263. And in 1264, St. Thomas Aquinas composed the famous song, Tantum Ergo. Biro mo yung Tantum Ergo na yan, hanggang ngayon, kinakanta pa rin natin yan. Pumodan, Practically, it's about 800 years that we have been singing the tantum ergo. Dapat mahigit pa yan sa platinum. I don't know any song that is being sung for 700, 800 years. And that is because of the great love for the Holy Body and Blood of Christ. So, the Holy Body and Blood of Christ or the Corpus Christi is actually a celebration also of the Holy Eucharist because the corpus christi is about the miracle that we experience practically every day when the bread becomes the body of christ and the wine becomes the blood of christ maybe you will be asking saan makikita sa biblia ang salitang eucharistia where do you find in the bible the word eucharist alam naman many people are asking Kung talagang it must be found in the Bible. But we have seen, we have said already before that not everything that is true can be found in the Bible. Not all the words that are true can be found in the Bible. Just like the word Trinity, you cannot find it, but it is true. And many of our Christian brothers and sisters, they believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but they don't believe in the Trinity. How can that be? The word Trinity is not in the Bible, and yet, in reality, they believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Fortunately, the word Eucharistia is in the Bible. Just look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, and it said, After he had given thanks, Ka Eucharistesas broke it and said, This is my body. Kai Eucharistesas, or Eucharistein, to thank. Kai Eucharistesas, given thanks. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we find also in chapter 26, And he took a chalice, and when he had given thanks, Kai Eucharistesas, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant. So here, Eucharist means thanksgiving, to give thanks. Eucharist means giving thanks because it was Jesus who gave thanks. And we Christians, when we celebrate the Holy Eucharist, we give thanks, especially to Jesus Christ who has given us this wonderful solemnity of the Holy Eucharist. I wonder whether we Catholics, we really appreciate this beautiful mystery, this beautiful solemnity established by Jesus Christ for our salvation. Hopefully, this Lecture Divina will help us appreciate more our faith in Corpus Christi or the Holy Body and Blood of Christ. Let us now read the Gospel for this coming Sunday. And it is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 51 to 58. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. is through food and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So we come now to the meditatio of our Lectio. Before we go to the actual meditation of the Word of God, please remember that the Eucharist was already foreshadowed in the Old Testament. You remember last Sunday or last Lecture Divina, we have said that even the mystery of the Holy Trinity was also foreshadowed in the Old Testament. How is the Eucharist foreshadowed in the Old Testament? Do you remember the Passover meal of the Israelites in Egypt? Do you remember what happened when they were in Egypt and there was the tenth plague that was sent by God so that Pharaoh will be forced to liberate He's the people of God, the Israelites, and that 10th plague was the death of the firstborn. And through the blood of the Lamb, the Israelites were saved. The blood of the Lamb was put on the doorposts of the houses of the Israelites. And when God passed through these houses with, marked by the blood of the Lamb, then he would pass over them instead the houses of the egyptians without the mark of the blood of the lamb then the older firstborn sons died that is how the israelites were saved through the blood of the lamb and in order to commemorate that event they had the passover meal we christians that lamb now is jesus christ and through his blood we are saved and during the holy eucharist the wine becomes the blood of Christ. Therefore, in the Holy Eucharist, Christ's body and blood now becomes the new Lamb and will pass us from death to life. The Eucharist now is the new Passover. And then there's another foreshadowing. If you remember, when the Israelites were for 40 years, they were in the wilderness and at times they were hungry and so they complained to God Yahweh that they are hungry they ask for the manna or bread or food and so God Yahweh rained down bread from heaven and in the gospel of John he is telling us who is now the real manna and Jesus said in chapter 6 verses 32 to 33 I tell you the truth it is not Moses who has given you The bread from heaven. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So the Israelites ate manna for 40 years in the wilderness. Of course, after they had complained to Moses that they were hungry, in fact, they were telling Moses, When we were in Egypt, we were better off. We even had meat. Good bread, and here in the wilderness we are dying of hunger. And so God, Yahweh, rained down manna or bread from heaven. And John said, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the true bread. Not the bread given to you by Moses. So in the Holy Eucharist, we also eat the bread. But that bread now is the body of Christ. So The Eucharist also was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Now let's read the first verse of our gospel for this coming Sunday. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever is this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. What is the key word here? You know, when... When you heard the gospel, what is the word that caught your attention? What is it that challenged you? What, what passage somehow comforted you? Or what, what word is a mystery to you? Here in this passage, the flesh is something to be reckoned with. What is the flesh? In the original Greek word, John used the word "sarks," And "sarks" is flesh. Sa Tagalog, yung laman, yung karne. And the bread that I'll give you is my flesh for the life of the world. Is my laman. Yung karne ko ang ibibigay ko para sa ikabubuhay ng mundo. And if you remember, in the prologue or the beginning of the Gospel of John... When he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word is God. And then in John chapter 1 verse 14, and the Word became flesh, and flesh is starts." That is the same word that he used when he said, I am the bread, and this bread I give to you is my flesh. Sarx. Why am I saying this? Because there's another word when you say body in, in Greek, that is soma. And soma was used by John when Jesus died. So when he referred to the dead body of Jesus, he used the word soma, body. He did not use the word sarks. But here it's very clear that it is the flesh of this body of Christ that is being given to us. This is in order to confront also some of the people during the time of John who denied that Jesus Christ actually became a human person. And this heresy is what we call docetism, Or in Greek, they call it the dokein. Dokein means apparently or seemingly. Yung mga docetis, nila, as Jesus... Apparently, he has a human body, pero he is not human. Apparent lang. Seemingly. Yan po heresy of Docetism, And it was already existing during time of John. That Jesus is not true man, and they do not admit the Eucharist is the flesh of Jesus Christ. In fact, si St. John, later on, he would write letters and epistles. In one of his letters, Second John verse seven, he said, "There are many deceivers in the world, refusing to admit that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. They are the deceiver, they are the anti-Christ." Wow, those are heavy words, di ba? Kung hindi ka na itong tinapay na ito, ay talagang la man ni Christo. They are the deceiver. They are the antichrist. Please remember in the Gospel of John, there is no institution of the Holy Eucharist just like what we have the narration of the Last Supper in the Synoptic Gospels with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. With these three Synoptic Gospels, it's very clear the eucharistic narrative kay gospel kay john wala po itong eucharistic narrative but there is this explanation of the eucharist so although in john they don't have, he doesn't have the na- narrative the Holy eucharist the whole verses 51 to 58 fit much better a last supper setting during which jesus would have explained to his disciples The meaning of the sacrament, he was just then instituting. In fact, in verse 51, when he said, And the bread that I will give you is my flesh. That is actually fitting, or just like the statement that Jesus used in the Last Supper. This is my body which is given for you. There's a kind of a parallelism between that verse And the bread that I will give you is my flesh. That's the Gospel of John. And then also in Luke, Matthew, and Mark, there is this verse, This is my body, which is given for you. Halos pareho lang. So, even though in John, there is no narrative of the Holy Eucharist, but everything, all the explanation about the Eucharist, you will find it in John. Continuing, in verse 52, The Jews quarreled, among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Imagine a person telling you, unless you eat my flesh, you will not have life. And here comes the Jews quarreling among themselves. Just like when the Israelites murmured or complained to Moses that they are dying of hunger in the wilderness. And here comes the Jews Also complaining, how can this man give us his flesh? Perhaps some of them took the words of Jesus metaphorically, but others understood it also as literal. When you say metaphorically, you portray a person or thing, something else, even though it is not actually that something else. It's just like when you say, my brother is a black sheep. It doesn't mean that he is really a ship with the color black. no. Okay, when you say, my conscience is my barometer, hindi mo sinasabi na may barometer yung conscience mo dito sa katawan. Pero it means something else. So, somehow, when Jesus Christ said, unless you eat my flesh, you will not have life. Perhaps, maybe, baka metaphorical lang yan. No? Hindi naman salaga, literally, you eat his flesh. But it is not, of course, cannibalism. The teaching of Jesus about the Eucharist which scandalized the Jews eating his flesh. Bakakala nila cannibalism? No. Because in the Holy Eucharist, the body remains whole. You don't digest literally the body of Christ. But under the appearance of bread and wine that is somehow digested. But the body and blood of Christ is digested spiritually in your life. So it's not really cannibalism verse 53 Jesus said to them so after the Jews were complaining how can this man give us his flesh and this is the response of Jesus Amen, Amen I say to you unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood you do not have life within you wow even this hindi naman siya nagmitigate ng kanyang sinabi in business, I don't worry. I, I don't mean eating my flesh. Hindi lang flesh, nagdagdag pa siya, pati yung blood. It is even more shocking to drink the blood. So Jesus reiterates his affirmation with a new solemnity and strength to take his words literally, and added another shocking statement of drinking his blood. You know very well in the Old Testament, there is a law that forbade eating the blood of animals. And that you will find in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 10. And it said, I will set my face against the man who has eaten the blood of any kind. The life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And life, belongs to god so never eat the blood of anything and here comes jesus saying unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you do not have life within you of course the blood represents life but jesus christ is the one giving life imagine is the blood of god the blood of jesus is being offered to us for Salvation to give us life. Yes, life belongs to God, but Jesus Christ is the author of life. And here we find that the mystery of the incarnation is well defined. That Jesus' flesh and blood was proclaimed in these words of Jesus: that Jesus is not just apparently a man with some flesh, is not just apparently a man with some blood. No, he is true human. Person, Jesus, flesh and blood, an incarnation, God becoming man. And secondly, the flesh of Jesus and his blood becomes the new victim of sacrifice to be shared at the Eucharist. What is important here, dear brothers and sisters, is the idea of the Holy, Euchar- Holy Eucharist as a sacrifice. Remember in the Old Testament, they used to sacrifice the Lamb for God. Now in the New Testament, it's Jesus Christ who is the new Lamb to be sacrificed. And even the Holy Eucharist, we have a sacrifice. A Eucharist without sacrifice is not a valid Eucharist. To remove that idea in the Holy Holy Eucharist, you are celebrating an invalid form of worship because the Holy Eucharist is always connected with the sacrifice. If you remember also in the Passover, there's the blood of the lamb put on the doorpost of the Israelites. This time is the blood of Jesus Christ when he was crucified on the cross that becomes the source of life. If the blood of the lamb became the source of salvation, so God passed over their firstborn sons. Here comes now Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus, as the source of salvation. Just like the blood of the Lamb were put on the doorpost of the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. So here, my dear brothers and sisters, we find that the cross and the Eucharist are inseparable. There is no Eucharist without the cross. The Eucharist now becomes the unbloody sacrifice that we celebrate every day yes i say every day if you read in the first letter to the corinthians chapter 11 verses 24 to 26 you will find these words from saint paul actually he told his hearers what i have received i now handed on to you that is what we call tradition and this is what I received, that on the night, etc., etc., Jesus took the bread and he said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And then if you will continue that verse... Verse 26, to be done until the Lord comes. That means the parousia. Up till the end of the world, we have to celebrate this new covenant. This is my body. This is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So this is the unbloody sacrifice that we have to continue until the end of time. Of course, we don't repeat anymore what happened on the cross. That is what we see in the letter to the Hebrews. That you cannot repeat anymore the sacrifice on the cross. But the sacrifice during the Last Supper, when he said, this is my body, this is my blood, do this in remembrance of me. We have to repeat it every day, as often as you can, in order to celebrate, commemorate his passion and death. And also his resurrection. Going back to the gospel. Verse 54. We read. Whoever is my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him on the last day. Well, this one is another very beautiful verse from the gospel of John. If you eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus you will be raised on the last day. And this eternal life is the divine life that physical death will be unable to destroy. I will raise him on the last day. Maybe you can ask yourselves, do, you, do I really believe these words of Jesus? That when I take Holy Communion, I eat his flesh and drink his blood and gives me eternal life. And that I will be raised on the last day? You know, every time I celebrate funeral masses, I always tell the people, do you really believe these words of Jesus? That when you eat Holy Communion during this Mass, you really believe that you will be raised on the last day? And we are in front of a dead person. If you really believe that, then every day, perhaps you will go to the Holy Mass. Hindi na natin yun pag namatay ka na, di ba? And that is very important. If you really believe. And not only that, ang sabi pa ni Lord, and we continue, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Here, hindi na metaphorical to. Talagang literal. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. This is what we call in our Catholic faith, transubstantiation. And what is transubstantiation? Such a long word. Masyado bang, mahirap bang maintindihan yan? Hindi. Madali lang po yan. Transubstantiation means, you change the substance of the bread into the substance of the body of Christ. And you change the substance of the wine into the substance of the blood of Christ. And that is transubstantiation. And because of that transubstantiation, we believe on the sacramental presence or real presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. Why are we saying real presence of Jesus? Because there are other Christian denominations, Na, alam naman natin, marami yan, no? Those who are celebrating a kind of a Holy Eucharist because there are some Christians, they don't celebrate at all the Holy Eucharist. But the early Protestants, like for example, Martin Luther, he would use the word consubstantiation. That means, pag sila celebrate ng Holy Eucharist, walang transubstantiation na as we believe it. Hindi, consubstantiation ang paniniwala nila. Ano po yun? Ibig sabihin yung substance ng bread, tsaka yun, body of Christ, magkadikit lang. So yung tinapay, tinapay pa rin. Parang dumikit lang yung katawan ni Kristo sa tinapay. Parang naging palaman. No? Hindi, hindi yata maganda yun. No? Kaya naging parang impanada, impanation ang tawag nila. No? Pero si Zwingli, he calls it naman symbolic presence. So when they celebrate the Holy Eucharist, symbol lang yun bread symbolize my body eh yun ba yun talagang gustong sabihin ni lord this is my body this symbolize my body is that the real meaning no for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink and then we have calvin also meron naman they say dynamic presence sa kanila parang virtual presence no pag nagreceive ka ng communion Parang mayro'n lang virtual presence si Lord dun sa Holy Communion kung ikaw ay predestined to go to heaven. Otherwise, kung hindi ka predestined to go to heaven, walang walang bisa yung Holy Communion mo. So God will not be there in your Holy Communion. Yun yung sinasabi lang, dynamic presence. But we Catholics, we believe in the real presence of Christ. Continuing verse 56, Whoever is my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Dear brothers and sisters, you know it's so beautiful if we summarize the promises of Jesus in this gospel we just heard. What are the promises of Jesus? Tinga nga ulit natin. The first promise of Jesus is that if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life. Second, you will be raised up on the last day. And third, you will remain in him and he in you. Do you really believe this? Do you really appreciate the Holy Communion that you receive? That whenever you receive that Communion, you will have eternal life? That you will be raised up on the last day? That Jesus will remain in you, and you in Him? Do you really believe that? Because if you really believe that, wow, that means you really appreciate the Holy Eucharist. Because the Jews, when... They heard Jesus. No, they did not believe at all. And so what happened? If you continue these verses, you will read 66 to 69, these words. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And Jesus turned to the 12 apostles. You do not want to leave too, do you? This. Those are the words of Jesus to the twelve apostles. And here comes Simon Peter, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So, while the Jews left Jesus, that's how they could not take any more what he was saying. Ang naman taong ito. Iwanan na nga natin to. Nung iniwan na si Jesus, si Jesus naman, ng niya yung kanya, mga apostoles, o kayo, aalis rin ba kayo? Hindi rin ba kayo naniniwala? Sabi ni Pedro, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Dear brothers and sisters, I hope we really appreciate the celebration of the Holy Eucharist. Because if you really appreciate that, wow, Hindi lang kayo every Sunday dapat pumunta talaga sa simbahan. lagang every day. You know, there was this uh, Methodist pastor by the name of uh, Kate Nestor. Itong Methodist pastor na ito, he became a Catholic. And uh, after three years being a Catholic, imagine he was a pastor for many years, more than 20 years. After being a Catholic for three years, he warned the Apostles, you know, it's really a bad idea to leave the Catholic Church. Leaving the Catholic Church is a bad idea. In fact, he has a, a beautiful talk on that. Why is it a bad idea to leave the Catholic Church? Because you will miss the Holy Eucharist. Yun lang. Yun gusto niya sabihin sa kanyang mga fellow Catholics na gustong mawala sa simbahang katolika. Siya, pastor, naging Catholic. And now he's telling the Catholics, yung mga gustong lumabas, it's a bad idea to leave the Catholic Church because you will miss the beautiful Holy Eucharist. It's only in the Catholic Church that there is this real body and blood of Christ who will, have, who will give us eternal life, who will raise up, us up on the last day, and who will remain in us and Jesus, and we in Him." This was Kate Nestor. There was another Baptist pastor by the name of Steve Ray, and he had a very beautiful uh, program on defending the Holy Eucharist. And he discovered the true Catholic Church when he was visiting the old churches in the Middle East, particularly in Israel, in Syria, in Turkey, and there's one thing that he noticed in all the churches, the old, old churches that he visited. And what was that? The altar. The altar. And that was missing in the Baptist church. There was no altar. I mean, they do do the Holy Eucharist. They do only the preaching. And so he said, the early Christians were celebrating the Holy Eucharist from the very beginning. This is something missing in us. This is the true church, because the early Christians were celebrating the Holy Eucharist. And in in my church, in the Baptist church, worship for us is preaching. But the early Christians, no. Worship is not just preaching. Worship is actually eating the body and drinking the blood of Christ. And that is how he became a Catholic. Maybe we can ask ourselves, As Catholics, how is my faith in the transubstantiation and the real presence of Jesus in the Holy Communion? Do you really believe that the transubstantiation, that the bread will become the body and the wine will become the blood? And when I receive the Holy Communion, do I become more intimate with Jesus such that he changes me to become more like him? Siguro yun, ibang mga fellow Catholics natin, binabatu, binabati ko sila other Catholics that they go to the church, pero hindi naman sila nagbabago. E, tama nga naman sila, hindi ba? Kokumunyon ka nga, pero pag uwi mo sa bahay, ganun ka pa rin, no? Dating gawe, dating bisyo, eh hindi rin naman maganda yun because the Holy Communion should change us. In fact, sabi nila, if we become what we eat, Kung lagi kang kumakain ng karne, baboy, you know, you become what you eat. <laughs> what changes do I notice in myself when I regularly eat the flesh of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist? There should be a kind of a change in us. We should become like Jesus, actually, when we take the body and blood of Christ. You know, there are fathers of the church who really defended This mystery of the Holy Eucharist, the transubstantiation. And one of them was St. Ignatius of Antioch. Many of these former Protestants, like Kate Nestor, Steve Ray, actually they studied very well the Fathers of the Church, the history of the Church. And when they study more the history of the Catholic Church, the more they are convinced that this is really the Church of Christ. And one of these great Fathers of the Church was St. Ignatius of Antioch, who was actually a disciple of St. John, the one who wrote the gospel. And St. Ignatius of Antioch died sometime in the year 110, or in some records, 117. Anyway, practically, it's just the beginning of Christianity. And this is what he wrote in his letter to the Romans. And he said, I desire the bread of God, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ, and for drink... I desire his blood, the sign of his immortal love. Beautiful. He desired the flesh of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ as the sign of the immortal love of Jesus. And then he continued, they abstain and this day are those who don't believe. Like the docetists, I mentioned to you earlier, the docetists, the opponent on the transubstantiation who do not believe on the sacramental presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. They abstain from the Eucharist and from prayer because they do not confess that the Eucharist is the flesh of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Please remember, this was written in the early 2nd century. And he was actually the disciple of John. And here comes also another... Well, he continued... By saying, I am the wit of God, St. Ignatius, I am the wit of God. I must become the pure bread of Christ. This is what I mean, that we should become what we eat. And St. Ignatius of Antioch have celebrated many times the Holy Eucharist. And now before his martyrdom, before he will be eaten, eaten by the lions, he said, I am the wit of God. And I must become the pure bread of Christ. I will be grounded by the teeth of the lions, you know. Parang yung pag nagmamasa ka, yung mga alam kung paano gumawa ng tinapay, no. Talagang yun yan. pini pit pit, and he considers himself like this one to become a sweet bread of Christ when he will be eaten by the lions. There's another very important father of the church, Saint August or Saint Justin. The martyr who died also sometime in the second century, 165, and he wrote this the food we call Eucharist, of which no one is allowed to partake except one who believes, we do not receive these things as common bread or common drink. As Jesus Christ, our Savior, being incarnate by God's Word, also we have been taught that the food consecrated. By the word of prayer is the flesh and the blood of that incarnate Jesus. Earlier, I mentioned to you the miracle of Bolsena. You know, there are so many Eucharistic miracles. But we are mentioning these Eucharistic miracles not because our faith depends on the miracles. But the miracles also help in our faith, in our appreciation Of the Holy Eucharist. Aside from the miracle of Bolsena, there's the famous miracle of Lanciano in Italy in the 8th century. The one of Bolsena was in the 13th century, and this is earlier during the Mass when there was this priest monk who was doubting about the transubstantiation. And during the consecration itself, suddenly the host changed into a circle of flesh and the wine became literally. Blood, red. And until now, without any form of preservative, we can still find those uh, relics, the flesh and the blood still present in the chapel in Lanciano. So that happened in the 8th century. And then the latest one, maybe you have heard it or maybe you have seen it also, in the the YouTube or some videos about the Eucharistic Miracle of Buenos Aires. And it's so famous because uh, this happened when our present Pope, Pope Francis, was just an Archbishop of Buenos Aires. It happened during his uh, term as the Archbishop. And what happened here was that uh, in uh, August 15, 1996, there was this woman who found a des- desecrated hose, and he gave it to the priest. And the priest put it in a container with water, and it remained there. If you discovered a consecrated hose, that is the canonical way. You put it in a container with water. And then, after a few days, there are some pieces of meat being created, and then it becomes red and In September 6, because it happened August 15, September 6, 1996, Bishop Bergoglio, which is our present Pope, Pope Francis, he tried to photograph and have it documented. And finally, after three years, it was kept, I think it was in the tabernacle, he asked for an investigation of the sample of the flesh. And he asked Dr. Castagnon, the one you see now on, on the screen, and Dr. Castagnon was actually an atheist. Now, he is a Catholic because of this miracle. So, Dr. Castagnon took a sample of this flesh, and he gave it to another doctor, uh, more a uh, leading, uh, renowned uh, cardiologist and forensic pathologist, Dr. Sugibe in New York. And without telling where it came from, he gave it to him and examined it. And you know what? According to this uh, forensic pathologist, Dr. Zugibe, that piece of flesh first, it has AB blood type. And that AB blood type is the same as the blood type in the Miracle of Lanciano, Bolsena, and in the Holy Shroud. Pare-pareho po yan. Yung DNA nila, they are all identical. And not only that, the fragment came from the heart tissue. and sabi niya, And the heart was under severe stress. Of course, that was the time when Jesus Christ was crucified. And not only that, this is more shocking. The white cells in that flesh was still alive. It was moving and beating. Kaya namang itong scientist na ito, he didn't know where it came from. When he was told that this was actually a holy host and turned into flesh, he was really shocked. Because it was still moving and beating. And he said usually the cells they die few minutes after the death of the person. Few minutes long. And here comes it's more than three years. It was still moving and beating. As I've said, these miracles actually is not really just to believe. No. Our faith does not depend on miracles. But I think it should help us to have more devotion to the Holy Eucharist, more reverence also towards the Holy Eucharist. Let us conclude now with a prayer. And I invite you to pray personally for this very beautiful mystery of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ, particularly this coming Sunday when we celebrate the Corpus Christi. Let us pray using Psalm 147. Glorify the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He has granted peace in your borders. With the best of wit he fills you. He sends forth his command to the earth. Swiftly runs his word. He has proclaimed his word to Jacob, his statutes and his ordinances to Israel. He has not done thus for any other nation. His ordinances He has not made known to them. Alleluia. And during this lecture, we have received another command from Jesus. This is my body. This is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. The Lord be with you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. And good night. See you next week.